Hello, and welcome back to part two of Storied Lives, Narrative Counseling, and Narrative Career Counseling with Diverse Populations. And I'd like to start this podcast, part two, with one of my favorite quotes. In the garden of memory, in the palace of dreams, that is where you and I shall meet. It is very difficult for many people to conceive of how we can use stories to develop career programs, but from my perspective, how can we not use stories to develop our life story around vocational and life planning? And so to begin part two, it's in our memory and in our dreams that we meet, just like the Mad Hatter said in Alice in Wonderland. And for career counselling, people often think there's a distinction between personal counselling or psychotherapy and question how they can be intertwined. And in the counselling literature, there's a, often a distinction between counselling for personal issues and counselling for career issues. However, I posit that career counselling is necessarily a profoundly personal experience. And for my students that have been in my class, I think they've finally understood the concept that work forms a huge component of all our lives. And in fact, for many of us, it forms our identity. And who we are and what we believe becomes vested in this rather superficial idea of what we do. And in fact, one of my other podcasts talks about understanding that idea that our sense of self-worth is derived from achievement and activity and all relationships. And it's very hard to find an idea that our self-worth is just based in who we are and being born, which is Rogerian. But to bring it back to career counselling, there's a considerable body of literature which argues that the distinction between career counselling and personal counselling really is a fallacy because, as I have said, when somebody comes into you to speak about finding a job, at the heart of that request is a desire to connect with the work of their dreams. And whilst we may not be able to give them dreams, we can certainly give them the opportunity to share a story and to make sense of their own story and connect that story to a hopeful attachment to at least part of the dream of what they want to do in life. And that comes back to meaning. So in terms of some of the ways that career counselling and personal counselling are intertwined, we look at systems 
And of course, systems theory looks at family systems, looks at personal systems, looks at mesosystems, exosystems, microsystems, macrosystems. And systems theory, as propounded by Patton and McMahon, really looks at the fact that career is more than interest, knowledge, and personality traits. And in fact, systems theory includes all of those issues traditionally seen as personal. And if you've been in my class, these are the really important pieces, our sexuality, our religion, our spirituality, our values, and our health. And in fact, multicultural value counseling is all about values and connections with values. And the systems theory tethers our personal experiences to the uniquely personal experience of career. So while presenting problems for counselling may be a little different with respect to phenomenology, diagnostic category and treatment technique, for example, a partner relationship problem or an occupational problem, narrative career counselling does not operate on the assumption that the personal issue lies outside the range of what's going to make up your career. Because guess what, folks? If you are stressed in your personal life, your partnership relationship, your health, your religious values, there's an ethical conflict, a dilemma. If they aren't working, you are not working to your best. And we know this to be true. If you're sick, you're not working to be um, the best of your ability, right? So really, the narrative approach to career aims to construct a profound and comprehensively meaningful account of a person's life and how his, her, or their career is really a part of a bigger life story. And it is not isolated from our lives. In fact, it is an integral component and perhaps the biggest component of our life. So we can't cut it off from everything else that happens in our lives. And to that end, we have more theories. So we just talked about systems theory. So now we're going to talk about Savakas and with a different um, theory. And it's the theory of career construction. And if you're very interested, Savakas is amazing. He has amazing work. So the theory of career construction posited life themes as a crucial element to be addressed by the theory of career development and the practice of career counseling. So basically, what he's saying is that what I say as prof, I don't call it career counseling, I call it life planning. And so career construction becomes more about life themes. And the life themes are crucial elements of what we want to get in our career. So it's very much centering on career development and our roles as counsellors of career counselling. And Personal narrative plays a pivotal role in the construction of career identity. How so? Well, 
who we are, what we're interested in, and our dreams are very much bound up in what we want to do. And if we are not doing what we want to do and we're not happy, that really impacts our lives and the people around us. So in telling our career stories, in telling about our work experiences, and in telling our story, we highlight pieces. And that is the narrative by which we live. And we're going to talk about scripts. And we've, I've talked about scripts before in other classes, but I sometimes say that's an interesting narrative that you have, but sometimes we might use the word script. They can be used interchangeably, although they are somewhat different in some people's variations and, and definitions. But basically, if you've produced a narrative and it has some fallacies in there and some self-limiting beliefs, that's where the co-collaboration piece of being a career counsellor can be so amazingly important to empower and highlight someone to see in their own story they might have missed something or they might have glossed over something that actually is really important to them. So in the theory of career construction, as posited by Savakas, counsellors who use this listen to our clients, we listen to the narratives, and we look for storylines that connect our personality, our vocational personality, our career adaptability, so what we can do, how we can change, how we can cope with change. And this is very, very, very pertinent and important in COVID-19 with a lot of change going on around us. And it connects us to our life themes. And so how do we get people to look at their scripts, find out what's missing, find out what's limiting them, and find a way forward? Well, we might encounter resistance. But we can use the story to move through that resistance to a new co-collaboratively created story. And so Gold posits that exploring resistance from the narrative theory perspective provides a wide range of helping clients develop stories that now resonate and have meaning within the client-centered cognitive behavioral and systemic world. Gold posits that there's five primary tenets of his narrative approach. Resistance reflects a specific client script encompassing the roles of the helper and the person being helped. So notice the different words we're using. And, I, and we've talked about discourse analysis, and that's something else that I don't have time to discuss here. But helper and the helped, counsellor, counsellee, therapist, client, these are all very different ways of looking at the people we work with. So as a result of resistance and these specific client scripts or stories, 
the client enters into a counselling relationship with preferences regarding the nature of these roles. So they come in with perspectives and ideas. And because each client presents for counselling with internalised stories, the preferences of the counsellor and the client are different. And as a result, the client's personal experiences of being helped before and the counsellor's professional training in helping, we can expect resistance. And without it, in fact, we're not capitalising on the gains that can be made through change because in this client counselling, in this session of helping and help being helped, that expected resistance is part of a relationship building process and it can change the way people perceive relationships. And therefore, if there is resistance, which is what I do, I can say, hmm, I really sense that this is not going well for you and that there's something that's not working for you. This is really normal and this is really a, a, an expected and hoped for part of our therapeutic relationship, but I'd like to talk about that right now. What is not working for you? And why do we need to do this? Because the ideas that people have can also reflect behavioural limitations or as I call them, self-limiting beliefs that interfere with a client's ability to fully participate in counselling. So they come in with this idea that, you know what, I've done this kind of thing before and it's not going to get me anywhere and all you're going to do is find me a job, which is what a lot of students came into my class with, <laughs> this idea of career counselling as being just a kind of cog in the wheel and just something that they have to do and a mandated course, which it is. But I think they've come to understand that through my passion for people to be able to tell their stories and to be able to find hope and to struggle through resistance and to find what's limiting them, that is the story that comes out of the career counselling. And so by exploring these helping scripts, by exploring the different thoughts and self-limiting beliefs that a counsellee may have, can also direct us as counsellors in helping validate what's happened to the client before. And so when we're connecting past, present and future, we can look at the client's past experiences of being helped or not helped, in fact, helping being more hindering, and then we can renegotiate that into a new present helping relationship through story. And it is often what has been an inability to restory or reauthor our own scripts, our own narratives about being helped and not wanting help and not needing help, that the counsellor's narrative 
as related to being an effective helper is really important to move that client onto somebody else. So if we can't help them story, restory, if we can't help the client move forward, then we need to help them find someone who will. But if we can help them to reauthor their own scripts, if we can help them to see different ways about being helped, having different thoughts about asking for help, and I, I talk about this often in a cultural perspective, especially in, say, an Asian um, cultural paradigm, but also men. I don't need helping. That's a sign of weakness. Let's reauthor that. And in fact, I'll give you multiple reasons as to why helping and asking for help is very helpful. In fact, when we think of the ways that we can help each other and why it's good to ask for help, why are you in counseling in the first place for, with a career? You are asking for help in your career. That will develop a relationship not only with your counsellor, but perhaps with others who are looking for career change too. Asking for help is a sign of a high-performance person because you want to be better. Asking for help improves your resilience because a shared burden is much easier to deal with. And it develops a growth mindset. So we're here to learn from this, not to be stopped by this. And asking for help improves your mental health. And by asking somebody else for their help, they feel wanted, needed, and they feel as if they matter. And working with others, despite the introvert's desire to work alone, is often more helpful and much more of a learning experience than working alone and my, my students often say that when I do group stuff with them so I put them in groups and I let them learn from each other I think that you learn more and they tell me it's really great because we get to hear other people's ideas we get to get their perspectives and see things that we just hadn't seen so it changes the lens therefore it changes the script and therefore, it reauthors the client's narrative. Now, I'd like to talk about one of my favorite theories, only because I know the people. So, um, Norm Emmonson and Roberta Nolt. In fact, guess who got me into loving career counseling? It was, in fact, my lecturer at University of British Columbia in Canada, Roberta Nolt. And she's actually working on something that I started with my master's, which is uh, looking at factors that help and hinder Indigenous and migrant youth in the transition from school to career. And um, they've started a new project called Shifting Sands. Well, actually, it's not new anymore. But anyway, so 
Niles, Emmonson and Nolt in 2011 uh, have introduced a book on career flow theory and it's based on solid psychological theory, which of, of course is Bendura's human agency theory chat. <laughs> we talked about it, career human agency theory, but Bandura actually had it as human agency theory. And one of the tenets of the career flow model of human agency theory is that individuals dynamically adjust their plans on the basis of new understandings of themselves. Wow. Hello. We all know this to be true, and this is something that I keep talking about. We adjust ourselves our plans as soon as we understand new things about ourselves. And as we change, and remember, the only thing that's constant in life is change and death and maybe taxes, but we inevitably change. As we change, our goals change, and as our goals change, our actions will also likely change as well. And Career flow theory acknowledges this. It also acknowledges that there are factors beyond our control which often have the greatest impact on our career and life. COVID-19 is outside our control and in fact has the greatest impact on our life right now and on our career because we know our careers are being changed and decimated and stopped by this. So there's positive and negative results. And the positive results is that from COVID-19, many of us have been able to have a pause. We've set a reset button and we've looked at where we are now and where we want to go, which we would never have done if we'd have just continued on our lives and work continued as normal and there was nothing that forced us to shift. And going back to the one I just talked about, shifting perspectives shifts and reauthors our stories. So career flow theory suggests that with hope, hard work and some concrete strategies, positive futures are possible. And for those of you who know me, this is exactly what I talk about. We need to connect to our dreams. So in the garden of memories, in the palace of dreams, that is where you and I shall meet. So with hope and dreams, some hard work and some actual steps and stages to get there, we can have a positive future, even if it's looking really bad right now. There are people that are really doing well in COVID-19 and new companies starting and thriving. So it's not all doom and gloom, folks. So for career flow, its essential competencies elaborate on the four pillars of assessment. So it does use those traditional interest skills, personality and values, but it also deals with the concrete issues of setting goals, researching opportunities, networking and applying for jobs. There are some things that I change in it. And of course, that's where I add my little narrative therapy piece. But telling stories is about all of these things, connecting with our dreams, connecting with hope, telling our hard work, looking at our past, looking at our present, and making some concrete strategies for our future. So in a nutshell, career flow theory focuses on issues that are very applicable in 2020. 
uncertain times, overwork, and career stagnation, as well as a labour market that is unknown and right now unknowable. Unknowable. And that's okay. Because with chaos comes opportunity, right? And that goes back to chaos theory. So, well, let's look now at how narrative can look, be a part of assessment. So traditionally we've been looking at traits and um, the personality theories of like interest, skills, personality and values and aptitudes. And that's, you know, how we assess career counselling. But qualitative assessment for career counselling is predominantly based upon constructivism. And an important feature of the narrative approach is that its assessment procedures on the whole are qualitative, as distinct from those traditional quantitative psychometrics. And this distinction between assessment and intervention is very blurred. This is where it's really hard within constructivisms and narrative frameworks because the process of career assessment is not something that is separate to the counselling. In fact, it is intrinsically a part of the process. And you may note this about me. I continually say, how is this going for you? Like, is this working? What helped you today? What do you need to know more about? That's the assessment. So in narrative career counselling, assessment is not simply eliciting facts from the client and measuring vocational attributes, for example, interests or skills. It is an exploratory process through which a client reflects and describes facets that apply to his, her or their life. And it is this reflective process that serves to facilitate client and counsellor in establishing those little intimate ideographic details. And it is that process of exploration that helps the client and the counsellor to knit the facts together, to weave or construct the story, just as I started off the first part one podcast with, weaving our story into a career story that's truthful and that's where we may experience resistance because we may be challenging them on some of their established scripts. It's truthful. It's rational. It's set in like a realistic base. Like, you know, is this possible? Can you be a NASA scientist, you know? Or do we have to kind of revisit that dream and see... Maybe you can go up in a rocket like some people have done. But you might not be a NASA scientist. You may just be part of the crew. Is it rational? Is it sensible? And is it something about which the client feels ownership? And then, if they do, that the client will take responsibility for. Because if we don't get our client to take responsibility for their actions, then we can't get them to move forward in their career or in their story. So another way to look at these different 
elements is to bring it all together under the idea of hope. And I talk about hope and dreams a lot. So instilling hope through relationship and collaboration in narrative career counselling is integral. Um, if we don't have hope and we can't connect to hope, then we lose motivation, not only for career, but perhaps by extension for life. So it's really, really important and integral that at the bottom of all this we instill hope. And so the relationship between client and counsellor is paramount in constructivist counselling. We've already talked about that. But narrative career counselling entails a meaning-making process through which the client creates his or her or their life story with the assistance of a co-creator, the helper, the counsellor, the therapist, and acting as co-authors and editors of these narratives, counsellors can help clients authorise their careers by narrating a coherent, continuous incredible story. They can invest in career with meaning by identifying themes and tensions in the storyline. And then they can learn the skills that are needed to perform the next episode in the story. Because if you don't know the story and you don't know where you want it to go, how do you know how to get to the next step? It is with the active presence of the counsellor through his or her or their co-author editorial role that hallmarks narrative career counselling. And Snyder discusses how this Hallmarking co-authoring editorial role has an integral component of detailing the process of hope formation and restoration, particularly in those stories where there is no hope, there is hopelessness, and there is despair in the idea of career and in the idea of life. Snyder and I believe that hope is a function of self-efficacy and perceived pathways, meaning that the individual believes that they can solve the problem that they are confronted with and they can identify possible solutions and hence they can get out of the problem. They can move forward because it's about moving forward, keeping momentum, even if it's a slow momentum, even if it's a pause and a stop and a reset. From this position, we are going to move into a different position. Maybe it's not moving forward. Maybe it's moving sideways. Maybe it's going backwards for a bit and revisiting something that we need to actually discuss to reauthor and re-establish hope. And the most hopeful person is the one who believes that he or she or they have the power to effectively meet a problem and see a specific way to do it. And as a counsellor, with your counselling, 
or counsellees. One of the most important gifts of therapy is to ensure your clients see hope and become empowered through that connection. And one of the best ways to do it is to help them re-co-construct a hopeful story. So in review, narrative career counselling may resonate, resonate highly with clients who have cultural backgrounds that hold storytelling very precious. And I will add to that, narrative career counselling resonates for us as humans because narrative is who we are as humans. And note this, it's really important that you give time for narrative career counselling. Sometimes we don't have the time we need, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't engage in it and embark in it and at least give a taste of it. But it is really most effective when you can have a little more time and you're not limited by strict time constraints. So the goal of narrative career counselling is to facilitate empowerment in clients so that they feel free to travel career paths beyond those imposed by the expectations of others and beyond those imposed by the expectations of self, themselves. And the core features of the theory underpinning narrative career counselling that were presented included the fundamental idea that narrative career counselling helps develop meaning. It's profoundly personal. It's based not just in thought, but in emotion and action and where all of those meet in the gardens of memory, in the gardens we sow and co-create. And narrative career counselling intricately intertwines assessment and intervention in the process of therapy. They are not separate, they are together. And finally, in this process, the client, the counsellee, the helped, and the counsellor or the helper work together collaboratively toward the construction of meaning and authoring a story of success, hope, future that connects past, present, and what can become. And I will now end this podcast and let you know that I will be engaging in doing a storied podcast telling with the characters of the family, the friends, the culture, the chapters of your lives, and how past and current experiences have influenced you, and how these experiences have influenced your choices about career opportunities how you may value them, what you may value, what you may newly value, and connect with your dream career. Because 
the number one goal of narrative therapy and all therapy in my mind, career counselling, personal counselling, it is to facilitate empowerment in clients so that they feel free to travel career paths beyond those imposed by the expectations of others, the expectations of self, and the context in which we all live. In the gardens of memory, in the palace of dreams, that is where you and I shall meet. This is Dr. Leanne signing out for part two and our week 13 of Narrative Career Counseling. And oh, the places you'll go. That is my wish for you. Namaste.